Good morning, it's good to be here with you this morning. In about 2005, I believe it was, I went on a mission trip to Romania for the first time. It was my first overseas mission trip. So those of you who have ever done that, where you have to get your uh, passport together and get all these things and get on a flight that you've never been on and travel for longer than you've ever traveled and you, you, know, you get on the plane and just as you're getting tired, then all of a sudden they come through and they, they pull up all the shades because they say it's morning time where you're landing so you have to be in morning season now and like all of this stuff. It was all new to me and trying to figure out how I was going to do that. I was, at a past, I was on staff at a church where I was the youngest guy on staff and newest to the team and so at that church uh, they said man we've got this missionary in Romania and we're trying to go there annually and so we'd really like you uh, to go I know you haven't met them before or done anything there before uh, but we'd like you to go and and you know spend some time with this pastor and 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 work with some of the students and lead some music there as well and so it worked out my wife Erin was a teacher at the time and so she had her summers off and we timed it out so that uh, we could go we didn't have any kids at that time but we did find out a few months after planning to go that she had gotten pregnant and so she would be pregnant on this trip. And she was in the first trimester of our first child going on this trip across the world. And so we went to Romania, we landed there. It was early in the morning and so it was early in the morning in our time, about three, three o'clock in the morning here if you were on East Coast time. But when we got there, it was like high noon. It was right in the middle of the day. And so the pastor who was hosting us, this missionary, who was hosting us, immediately took us uh, to this restaurant and, and fed us a meal immediately. Like he wanted to make sure that we were taken care of. And the meal, like in my mind, if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm still awake and can't figure out which way is going, I would love to have maybe waffles or pancakes or something breakfast-oriented to some extent. You know, help me out a little bit. But instead we had a Romanian dish uh, that he was, I'm trying to remember if I wrote down the name of it. Uh, I didn't write down the name, I probably would have uh, messed it up anyway. But a lot of their dishes are really heavy with cabbage and pork and like just this real heavy meal. And so uh, we got in this uh, restaurant and he had kind of gotten a private room in the back so that we could talk and talk about what we'd be doing for the week. And so we're sitting there at the table and... and uh, someone brought me a warm coca-cola and I had never been like experienced well why would you drink this warm well because the rest of the world doesn't have ice uh, at every moment like they want and so I had this coke and and then through the process all of this is going on and there starts to be a, a loud noise is starting to form in the restaurant and as we're trying to carry on a conversation it's getting louder and louder and louder and we're trying to focus and look at this man across the table from us and it is getting downright unruly uh, behind us in the other room and we can't really figure it out and all of a sudden Erin through this whole trip is now sick I mean she it's like man I I'm gonna throw up right now and she's like kicking me under the table pinching me like how do I do this and be respectful and and so she asked, uh, you know, where is the bath? Do you know where the bathroom is in the restaurant? I think she asked our waitress because her waitress could speak a little bit of English. And so what she had to do then, again, because she's in the first trimester and she just has this morning sickness, because in our world it's morning. And so uh, she's heading her way and she has to go through this mob that is formed and kind of make her way through the crowd to a bathroom that didn't have a complete door that closed. Am I saying this right, Aaron? That did not have a complete door that closed. It was more of like a room in a, in a store.
store. So like now she's sick in the bathroom. There's this mob of people in there. And I'm awkwardly now sitting face to face uh, with the missionary and trying to talk through, well, she's not upset about the food. Or she's not angry or upset. She's just sick because she's pregnant. And, and he's like, oh, that's so exciting. Well, why? You know, and, and just trying to talk through the whole thing. There's this whole loss in translation. And meanwhile, this mob is now pretty angry. And, and we don't really understand what's going on. And Aaron, now after throwing up in the bathroom, has to make her way back through the crowd. And I think you had to do it two, or is it three times that she had to make her way back and forth through this crowd. And eventually we just asked him, what's going on out there? Like, this doesn't seem normal. And he said, oh, they get together in this restaurant on this day every year and try to build up enough momentum that they can overthrow the government. <laughs> but Jesus loves them too is what he said. And I'm telling you, it was just like this rude awakening of like, this, I, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, yes, this is my first mission trip, but they're trying to overthrow the government out there and my wife with this new baby that's coming and she's throwing up and I'm trying to take care of her and I don't understand your, your language very well, your English was broken, and I was just very confused and messed up by the situation. I was a fish out of water. You've heard that term before, right? It's a Chinese proverb that talks about if you want to know what water is, don't ask the fish. If you want to know what water is, don't ask the fish. Water is the sum, the substance of the world in which that fish is immersed. It's all that the fish has ever known is that water. Take the fish out of water and all of a sudden he's gasping for breath. Is it breath? He's gasping for gills. Whatever the gills do, he's, he's grasping for that. He doesn't understand what's going on. I was struggling for whatever a fish is struggling for. That's what I was struggling for, all right? If I can honest, be honest with you this morning, as I look back and look at that times I was going through it this week and thinking through it, I was about 25 years old at the time. I had grown up in the church. I had had a, a whole lifetime of really being aware of the gospel, of being connected to what God had been doing in my life. I had learned scripture. I knew my way through the Bible pretty well. You should have seen me at the sword drill. I was a champion. Uh, you know, I had those things in place. I was excited to be starting my job in ministry. I, I had just been there for about a year at that point, and I was really excited about, hey, this is what vocational ministry looks like, and now they're sending me on this mission trip. I had to kind of come back as I looked through that. That was kind of a turning point for me to realize in all of that, I basically missed the entire point. I had to come to grips with the fact that I was entirely disconnected from really what had been going on. Just like my interactions with that missionary that were kind of at a distance. Like we were having a conversation, but it wasn't the same conversation. And, and, and what was going on behind me was really disturbing to me and to him. It was just part of everyday life and those people needed Jesus too. And it was something that I just could not understand. I was disconnected from a basic truth that I want to share with you today. We're in Psalm chapter 67. If you want to open your Bibles, open it basically to the center of your Bible. I hope you've got your own. And turn to Psalm 67. And we're going to look at this psalm and see what this basic truth is that we are, as a whole, disconnected from. I want to ask this question this morning as we begin. How do we avoid the ultimate disconnect in praying for all nations? How do we avoid the ultimate disconnect in praying for all the nations? So if you're there in Psalm chapter 67, we're going to begin in verse 1. I want you to see this point. And in your bulletins, if you're filling out the sermon outline, the point is this. We must understand one truth. 
We must understand one truth. If we're going to avoid the ultimate disconnect in praying for all nations, we must understand one truth. The psalm is simple. It contains a primary overarching truth. As we look through this today, you're going to see it. And that truth is absolutely critical to understanding Christianity and to understanding the purpose of your life here in this world. And here's the truth. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise in all peoples. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all people. Let's unpack that together. First of all, God blesses his people, beginning in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. God blesses his people. God has been so gracious to us. We must never forget when we gather to sing praises really of what God has done in your life and mine that none of us deserve to be here. Not one of you deserves to be in this place where God has showered his blessings upon you. Not one of you. Not one of us lived a life that warrants even the privilege of being in this space. The disconnect, the spot that I was in as a 25-year-old of, of thinking that I had somehow deserved the favor of God because I had lived a good life. No, we are here only because of the grace of God. It's because of an initiative that He took. He has taken that we should never be a, cease to be amazed by His grace. It's the initiative that God took. He, he spun the earth into motion and chose to interact with us in a very personal way. We should never forget that. God blesses his people. Let's also not be too materialistic when we see this verse. Our Western mindset immediately thinks about the possessions and the things and the stuff that he has blessed us with. That's not what the psalmist is talking about here. He's talking about the things that we have to show the blessings of God. No, he's talking about the very blessings of God is summed up in his grace and his mercy, salvation that he has brought to you and to me because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. That is the epitome of the blessing of God. That's what blessing of God is. When he moved and interacted with us in a personal way, when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you and for me, that is the blessing of God. God blesses his people. Be reminded this morning of the scope and the scale of God's love. In this room today, we have represented, some of you are coming from broken and shattered homes. Some of you are coming from a background that is entirely a mess. And some of you are coming from that background 20 years ago that it was a mess and God has healed that situation. Some of you are coming in literally 20 minutes ago, it feels like the bottom has dropped out and you're trying to figure out what steps do I have to take now. Whether it's your parents, whether it's your spouse. They loved you for a little while and they left you. They, they put you in a spot where all of a sudden you're stuck and the, the whole bottom has fallen apart and it's collapsed. And now you have to look at things and say, now the scale of God's love is bigger, grander than that. We don't have this in your notes, but Romans 8.38 says, For I am sure that neither the death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. God desires to bless us. His love is far grander than we have any understanding of. Let that soak in for a second. He desires to bless you. But don't put a period on it there. You see, 67, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. May his face shine upon us. 
It's not a period at that first verse. It's not, it's not where the end of it is. Oh, God, you have blessed me. No, uh, there's the word Selah in verse 1. Selah, pause, meditate, reflect on this. My background is in music. My undergrad from a Christian school, we actually went through and looked. And it's not for certain, but they actually believe that this was these markings that show up in the Hebrew text that we now mark as Selah was a musical interpretation of how some of these psalms should be sung. And so those of you who are coming from a musical background, it would be a bird's eye or a fermata that would be in the middle of this phrase. I almost went on to get my to get my masters in conducting. I've really enjoyed conducting and I love doing that and I love uh, what it's like to be in front of an orchestra or a choir and really conduct through things. So you're going to be my orchestra this morning. You're going to be my choir. You ready? So we're going to sing Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Di, Do. Ready? You've heard of this before. <laughs> Nod your head if you're tracking with me. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about and that's okay. So if I conduct you through this, and I say, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do, right? All right, let's do that together. Here we go. And Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. Good. So a fermata is this. Do, Re, Mi. You're supposed to sing. <laughs> it was my fault. My this is why I didn't get my master's in conducting. Here we go. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti. And so what happens here, a fermata leaves you hanging, waiting for the next moment. My conductors over the years, they would tell you, they said, please don't ruin this moment. This waiting, this expectation, it's not a, it's, you don't drive a truck through this hole. Just wait. The great conductors, those who have, you know, if you ever go to see a, a Philharmonic or something like that, they've got big hair or they've got long tails on their coats. And what you, you are taught as a conductor is use your body the way that God has made you and what makes it different and what, let the orchestra follow you in that. So you'll see some conductors will conduct with their eyebrows even. You know, they'll just kind of twitch this or twitch that and the orchestra knows what to do and they're kind of flying all over the place and you don't know what's going on and... There's an old Bugs Bunny cartoon about him running back and forth behind. You've seen that one before, and he's you know shooting a bow and arrow at things and stuff like that. And the orchestra knows what to do and how to follow that because they're able to follow all of the movement. So this selah is this build up, this expectation. But really, the climax of what is happening here, the, the moment that that conductor would not want you to miss. So he's just waiting, and sometimes the conductor will wait for what seems to be way too long. And they just hold your attention, or they'll finish the song, they'll close it, and then they'll just stand there and wait. And you can hear the room breathing, it feels like. And then they'll step away and relax. But there, there, there's this selah, this holding for what is the main point here. Don't ruin the moment. So, so don't get caught here. You, know, you need to think about, instead of saying, okay, God desires to bless me, you need to ask the question in that moment, that waiting, why does God desire to bless me? What is the purpose, that hanging? Why? And in that hanging, we know that we have experienced the blessing of God. Randall Church has experienced the very blessings of God, but why? And then the res resolution, the fermata breaks its hold at verse 2 that your way may be known on the earth. 
your saving power among all the nations. Then it continues in verse 3, let the people praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. So Psalm 67 says it here and it will repeat it, this purpose statement for our blessings, that God does not just sit up in heaven and cast down random blessings on us. It's not, he, he's not, there's more of a specific purpose for that. He blesses us for this purpose, that His glory and His salvation is known to all people, all the people on the earth. So as we're asking questions this morning, how do we avoid the ultimate disconnect in praying for all the nations? First, we must understand one truth. Second, we must recognize one danger. If you're filling that in this morning, we must recognize one danger. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The one danger is disconnecting the blessings from God from the purpose of God. The danger that you and I, and particularly in our Western culture, do is we, we separate the blessings of God from the purpose of God. Think about this. This, this psalm was written for the nation of Israel. As we push through this, this psalm was written for them. They were the Jewish ones. They were the chosen ones. God chose Israel not to be His because of the Jewish people, because they were special in any way. No, He simply chose them to be His. Do you remember how He chose them? In Genesis chapter 12, we don't have this on the screen, the Lord says to Abraham, Abram, go from your country to your kindred, to your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you to make your name great, so that you will be a blessing to all nations. That was the purpose. That was why Israel existed. That's why he chose them. Part of God's blessing was not just for His people of Israel. It was that others would come to Him and therefore inherit God's will. And, and for us to do that and err in that is for us to be part of that process as well. We must recognize the danger of disconnecting the blessings of God from the purpose of God. The joy that comes in praising God in this psalm for all nations is for Jewish and non-Jewish people alike. So because God is who He is and He exercises His blessings for both the Jew and the Gentile. We spent a lot of time when we were going through the book of Ephesians that this gospel that we practice and even what they were showing here, what God was trying to show His people in Psalms 67, what He is trying to show them, this was for all people. The blessings were for everyone. And just like Israel, we are tempted to try to disconnect and separate the two. It's a very dangerous thing to do, to start pulling apart and say, oh, I know the blessings of God were for me rather than understanding the purpose of God. Think about it. We have each been given the gospel, that God has given the gospel to us. But it's not only for us. We get in our mindset, the gospel was given to us. No, it was given to us for all. If we talk about the gospel being given to us and only for us, we're going against Scripture all the way through. It's not biblical. He's given the gospel to us, but only for the reason of spreading the gospel that His ways may be known on the earth. His salvation may be known among all peoples, all nations, everywhere you look. That is why we have the gospel. That is why God has blessed you and me. That is the purpose of His blessing. 
Here's what we'll do to disconnect the two. We're tempted week after week to begin to think about that the whole purpose of the church or the whole reason that we are here is to be here on a Sunday morning, to sit back, to be comfortable, to create programs and things that resolve on our preferences and our designs and things that make us feel good about what we do or make us feel good about where we're located or, or, or how much access we have to people. And that's not true. We've been given the gospel. Randall Church, you have been given the gospel for the spread of the God's glory in all the earth. All the earth doesn't have to be on the other side of the planet either. And we're going to come back to that in a moment. All the earth might just be on the other side of the sidewalk here. Every one of us, all of us together, spending our lives in western New York and in the ends of the earth, making this gospel known no matter what it costs to us. That is what the purpose of God is. That's why we have the gospel. God blesses his people for the praise and the sake of his praise among all peoples. So how do we avoid the ultimate disconnect in praying for all nations? First, we must understand one truth. Second, we must recognize one danger. Third, we must engage in one prayer. We must engage in one prayer. Verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. Verse 7. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. In verse 6 there it says, the earth has yielded its increase. Uh, the King James Version, or even the New King James Version, translated it, it says, then the earth shall yield its increase. It's a future tense. The overall tone argues for, we are praying, God, will you, in the future, will you bless us for the purpose of reaching all of the earth? God blesses us so that all the earth may fear him. Israel's material blessings were being translated or should be translated into spiritual blessings that are expelled onto all the nations. When God blesses us, it's material. It's not for us. It's for others. It's not so that we can squander it on selfish living. John Piper wrote a book and preached many series on the idea of don't waste your life. There's a Reader's Digest article that he would quote again and again and again, and I almost feel sorry for the poor couple who the article was written about. And they basically told a story of their at-retirement age, and now they were going to be able to go in Florida, and they were going to be able to spend the rest of their days. They had put all their money together, and they had put themselves in a financial situation where they could play shuffleboard and collect seashells. And if you've heard John Piper preach the sermons on that, I mean, with just disgust, and his mouth says, and they want to collect seashells. Why? Because in the final days of your life and of my life, many of you are retired and there's nothing the matter with being retired, but in the final days of your life, the days right before you come face to face with our Savior, hypothetically speaking, do you want to spend those days and that time collecting seashells? So what did you do today? God, I, you should see my seashell collection. I've been working hard at it. No. God blesses us not so that we can squander it on selfish living, rather that we would use our material blessings to bless the nations by sending and supporting those who go to take the message of His salvation to those who have yet to hear. What would our one prayer be? God, would you satisfy us 
in you so that we can overflow that in others. Or in another way of saying it, bless us so that we may bless others with your truth. Lord, teach me the gospel so that I can invest it in someone else. And that they would understand what eternal joy comes from that. To glorify God by spreading your joy through the earth. So Jewish synagogues will take this psalm, 67. There's another kind of layer to it that I didn't realize until I started studying it. And they'll display Psalm 67 on the front of like the reader's stand or lectionary. And they'll display it there because they can arrange the psalms and, and words that form a, a seven stanza or a seven-branched menorah. So a lot of times this is going to be called the menorah psalm. Furthermore, if you total up all the Hebrew words that are used, the, the full number of Hebrew words that are used in it, there's 49. So seven is a number of perfection. Multiples of seven, numbers of perfection. So when we talk here in verse 6 and verse 7 about God blessing us, there's actually a parallel verse in verses 1 and 2 talking about the blessings that come through that. And so what is happening with that menorah, the reason why that is put together is that now the psalmist can talk through this and how God is being gracious to us and blessing us so the nations would know his salvation, that they would praise him and be glad with him. And then the, the same chapter ends in prayer. So as we talk through this, we have one truth that God blesses his people. That would be on this side. You have that one truth, this side of the menorah, this side of the passage, verses 1, 2, and 3. And then in the center, you have verse 4, which really talks about the purpose. What is God's purpose? What is he doing? And then over here, you have uh, the verses 6 and 7 that are talking about the one prayer that we should have as we look towards the future. Verse 6 and 7 is talking about, God, if you would bless us in the future with material things, then we were going to do what you have put out as the one truth and we are going to avoid the one danger and now we're going to have this one prayer as we move forward. Here's the problem because there is a balance that goes in there. If you look at the verses, you can see one, two, and three go and then there's this uh, Selah even kind of makes the break between the sections and then in the center is this verse four. So this is what we're going to pursue. This is what we're going to be after. The problem is perspective. And I've used this analogy before and if you've heard it, that's fine because I think that it speaks very true to the world that we live in. If any of you have a cat or a dog, something called cat theology or dog theology. If you have a dog and you love that dog, the dog looks at you and says, man, you love me, you care for me, you provide me for me, you shelter me, you feed me, you must be God. If you've got a cat, it says, you care for me, you provide for me, you shelter me, you feed me, I must be God. It's all about perspective. See, the danger of it is in a church and in our world, sometimes you don't necessarily outright see someone who has a cat theology versus a dog theology. When you ask, who is the main character? What is the Bible about? Who is it about? It's about God and His love for His people. But some of you have the mindset that says, well, it's, it's about how much Jesus loves me. But it's really about God. And what happens is our perspective gets reversed. And so instead of coming from one truth, avoiding one danger, and, and really seeing what it means to have one prayer for how the material side of God's blessing will be lived out, we go in the opposite direction. 
We start at this end and work the other way. God, bless me so that I can do some things, so that I can do what I want to do. And then in that, if you do that, then I will give you the praise and the glory for that. You see the backwardsness of that. The perspective is reversed. That's living things in a reverse manner that really what happens is it gets our whole mindset, the whole world that we look at is, is broken. There's a disconnect there. We're told to pray for all nations and, and God has put on us this blessing. God, I've blessed you so you can bless the nations. You said, okay, good. Well, bless me so that I can bless the nations. No. Our responsibility, the flow of how this chapter works, the balance of what's going on in Psalm 67 is we start from the point of realizing God has called you and called me. The only reason that we have anything in this world is because of who He is and that relationship with Him. You see, Psalm 67 is a prayer. May it be constant on our lips. May we be thinking through that lens. May we look through that scripture and you just dig through there and look at all the different layers of what is happening. You know, in the Hebrew, again, seven verses, seven words, and how it all just kind of balances itself out. This is a prayer, maybe constant on our lips. It has its purpose. May that purpose captivate and drive our lives and drive this church. It's a promise. As we reach all nations, that God will continue to bless us for that purpose. May it elicit risk-taking, life-giving, death-defying options that we take because of the confidence that we have in our King, Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, He lived this out and He lived it out perfectly. Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13, He tells them, Pray then like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed in this manner because he had things in the correct perspective. He had it lined up the way that it's supposed to be. So as a guide from this psalm, using it for a template for our praying for all the nations, first we start with God, the one who is gracious, the one who saves, asking for his gracious blessings so that we will be enabled by his presence to do what he has called us to do. Then we ask him for those who don't know him to come, that they would come and join in praise and adoration of him so that then further nations could be reached because he is the righteous judge and he is the powerful guide for the earth. He's the only one who can exercise equal authority on the earth. Not one of us is able to do that. Then you thank God for He's already done His blessings. Just ask those blessings to continue so that all may come to Him. This is a big time prayer. It's a prayer for all the nations. But so that you don't get only in the mindset that this is what we do and so we need to pray for those nations over there. Send those missionaries over there that would miss the very point of this song. At the same time, it's to be a specific prayer for people that we know in the communities that we live in, in the neighborhoods for which we are a part. God has blessed you to live where you live. God has given this location to us as a church for the purpose of reaching all the people in this area. All peoples, all nations, every tribe and tongue. 
that we would do what? That we would reflect back to God others who are blessed by Him. That's the purpose that God has put before us. So I'll give you two very quick stories this week how in my life I've saw this work out. Nine o'clock Tuesday morning, I went to get my hair cut. I was trying to get my hair cut quickly and get back to the office and get done what I needed to do. That particular barber shop doesn't open on Monday, so Tuesday is his Monday, and he was late coming in on his Monday, although it was a Tuesday. He got there about quarter after nine. I had a cup of coffee with me. I just stood on the front step waiting for him, and in my mind, I kind of went through, okay, this guy talks to people all day long. Every, every person that comes through, a barber's responsibility, a hairstylist's responsibility is kind of to make it not awkward and just keep talking. I knew a youth pastor that one time, he, he basically spent his time learning how to cut people's hair so that he had all the boys in his youth group, he would cut their hair because he said, now I've got them. They're stuck in the, in the chair and they've got half of their head is shaved off and they have to listen to whatever I say. And so he used that as a ministry tool. So this barber... I just spent time with him as I was thinking through before he got there, I just thought, what, what could we talk about today? What if I drove conversation instead of him coming up with whatever and getting past the Buffalo Bills and the snow in Buffalo? Like those are the main topic of conversation. And so I was able to just ask him a couple of conversational things to say, okay, hey, you grew up in Williamsville in the village. I'm raising my kids in the village. What are the pros and cons of that? I gave him three options. The second one was, uh, tell me about whether or not you, uh, you did not get a college degree. Tell me the positives and negatives of getting a, a, a college degree. Okay? And then the third question was, uh, Calvinist or Armenian? What do you think? <laughs> so he chose to talk about the village. But it's interesting, as that conversation went on, he came back and he said, that was a really weird theological question you asked me. Tell me about it. What's going on there? And I, I very simply kind of explain, okay, there's this idea of uh, having choice to be able to determine this is uh, the free will to follow God's plan or that God has selected you or chose you and because he, he knows all things. And so he knew whether I was going to choose him or not. And we just talked through that conversation. And he said, you know, one of the more difficult conversations we have in here when people want to come in and they want to talk about creation versus evolution, what do you think about that? I'm telling you, just getting my hair cut, I was able to share the gospel in multiple ways just by being willing to set aside that time and think through what might this conversation that I'm going to have to have, what is it going to look like? Similarly, uh, at the, the YMCA, I, I work out here in the mornings. There's a man that I've seen running around the track. I've gotten to know his name. His name is Tom. And so I went and I ran with him. He's uh, in his 70s. He runs 9 to 10 miles every morning. It's fantastic. He, and on that track there, if you're familiar with that, that's like 90 laps. You just have to keep going around and around and around. He does it every morning. And so uh, I waited for him. I jogged slowly enough so that he would come up on me. And we just got talking. And uh, he's a medical doctor. And so uh, he's still practicing. And we just talked. I said, tell me, how do you think, uh, what's the role of a chaplain in a hospital? Is it a valuable spot? You know, what, what do you see when people are in their last days of life? What does that chaplain do? What does he offer? And we got to have a real conversation about spiritual things. They will say, okay, this is, this is what he sees as a value. This is why they need to be part. Why do I share that? Because all nations doesn't have to be on the other side of the globe. All nations might be on the other side of your sidewalk. But God has blessed you. You need to get a hold of that. God has blessed you. If you have a refrigerator in your house, you're the 1%. 
when it comes to the rest of the world. God has blessed you. He's put you in the location you are in for the purpose of bringing praise to Him through all the nations. How do we avoid the ultimate disconnect in praying for all the nations? We must understand one truth. We must recognize the one danger. And then we must engage in one prayer. God, use me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. Lord, as the band comes this morning and we, we really look at what you have for us in this psalm, Lord, there's so many different layers of what's happening here, but if we can get a hold of anything, Lord, we should be praying for all nations. We should be praying for opportunities that will come, come to light, that we can share the gospel in normal, practical ways. Lord, as that missionary was overseas, he had the very people who were trying to overthrow the government. They wanted to take things back to a communist way of living in Romania, and yet he said, but they need Jesus, and that's why we're here. How many of us would have that type of courage this morning? Lord, there are many here who will never go overseas again for one reason or another, health reasons or uh, fear of flying. There's a number of reasons why, Lord, but they can be praying. Praying that our hearts would change, that we would not be an isolationist people that think that all we've got to do is take care of ourselves. No. Oh, you've called us to so much more, Lord that your glory would be known through all the nations. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for this time. Pray that you have been glorified even in this moment, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.